Hello, everybody. Um, well, tonight, it's not going to be a girls' night out. Thank goodness, everybody says. Uh, we got, we've got a couple of guests and hopefully three or four guests. But at the moment, it's just uh, two guests. And we're going to be talking about it's introducing a group called Interunion for Equality. Now, they did think that they would call themselves Interunion for Equity, but when it was explained what the difference was between equity and equality, um, they have group, the group has decided, I think, that they will be Interunion for Equality. Now, we all know these new border bills, the, the, new, the new police laws, and the anti-protest laws, we're, we're all going to be really suffering, uh, no matter who we are. But a certain group of people in this country are going to be suffering a lot more. They've already suffered for many years, generations, hundreds of years. And so we, uh, they're going to be suffering a lot more if these laws come into effect. So what can we do about that? So Aisha decided that she would do something about that. So can we bring Aisha in, please? Hello. Hello, you see. Lovely to Hi. see you. This is about <laughs> second time today. Well, well, yeah. Third time we speak. Can you can you tell me what prompted you to I mean it's at the very beginning of your group, isn't it? You're not established, yeah. you haven't got a website yet, you haven't got the structure that other things have but ideas don't come fully formed do they they no. come as an idea that's the whole point of it and you've come with this idea you've got the passion and the excitement and the and the desire for justice and i think that's fantastic Woo -woo! all power especially to us women <laughs> lovely so can you tell us what drove you to do this I'm going to do and go against all good advice and just be honest. And I hope somebody out there and many people out there understand. Um, the root of it was at London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Um, me, I was instrumental in um, delivering the outsource victory. And it starts off with um, me finding out about the campaign and then BLM movement happens. And then I think, yeah, we should launch it because it was a really it was a, of course tragic time but you know we owe a huge debt to the BLM movement that happened and I don't think it's a debt it's a celebration it's made I think all of our lives better and so I wanted to launch the campaign and then I faced um, trade union discrimination I was um, essentially got rid of as a um, union rep uh, a recognized union rep that um, I'm not allowed to say the name am I no no. Well, no. we prefer it if you didn't, because it's not about them. It's yeah. about you. Yeah. So and um, it, uh, and at that time, I wondered, is it my lack of social skills and so on and so forth? And then eventually, um, because what I had done is I connected a lot of people. And, and one of my proudest thing is I connected us with BLM group. And I think that's something trade union needs to look at is right now the people who are achieving are the activist groups, whether they be XR, whether they be BLM. It is not trade union. Trade union has been left behind and we'll know why I'm here. Um, it is and so, it, it, you know, that, that partnership allowed me to find the activists who are then eventually when I next, um, somebody internally sent me an article and I said, I'll never reveal their name, uh, a victory in the local locality um, in Senate House. And then um, we joined this um, so-called radical union again. So eventually outsource victory was delivered and that will show, you know, why we need to hear the voices of um, outsource colleagues like cleaning and portering and what really happened to them during the pandemic. And we really need them to speak, not me, not, you know, a privileged white lady like you, um, it, you know, and so um, the victory happens. And then uh, when they announce it, they do something really cruel. They leave my name out. They leave the five people that took even bigger risks with their job out. They, they instead, the management, named three white unions and two white reps. 
And, it, you know, it was outright discrimination. We felt the pain. I felt the pain. And so I thought, what do I do about it? I wrote to Jeremy Corby and we never heard about him. I, and I, and I, you know, I write to, as you'll see, my wonderful mentor. I say, Jim, I've got this thing where I always contact old white man. And I wonder why. Is it because I think they're benign? I always have, I have to say, I really liked, um, what is he called? Uncle, is he called Uncle Albert? You know, Del Boy's um, great uncle. He's Uncle Albert. You were in a war. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. In a war. Uh, yeah, I always liked Uncle Albert. I wish he was my granddad. And I think it's because, well, a bit of a colour mismatch. But what can I do? I was a young person growing up in a white country, so he's going to be a white old man. Um, but anyways, um, uh, and so we didn't hear from him. And then eventually I was thinking um, I'll contact BAME MP. And so we contacted Absana Begum and... And she came, well, she didn't come. We still don't know when she's going to come, but she accepted. And it was the biggest excitement. And I I decided to wind up the other unions. Uh, I said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, massive writings. And I sent them off. And I said, it's like the biggest thing to have happened to the graveyard of LSHDM. Well, I didn't quite say that, but yeah, the unions. Um, yeah, those are the kind of things I do. And so then what happens is when you're tackling discrimination, you do become quite unpopular. And maybe how I go about it, you become even more unpopular. And at that same time, the, the union that we won the victory with, um, you start to see um, potential Islamophobia because we wanted to elect a Muslim officer. And what I witnessed was vote rigging. That is my right to say how, what I saw. Um, and we still don't have a Muslim officer, and I have been complaining ever since. And it shows it's big unions, it's also little unions that um, say they champion the outsource colleagues. But I think in the end, when it comes to real empowerment, it's not happening by the unions. And hence why we're here. We're here so, not representing the unions necessarily. So you're saying that uh, even though you're inside a union, you're represented by a union in your workplace, you're still outsourced? So the colleagues, well, I've left that workplace. In the new workplace, yeah, they're outsourced uh, because when one of them died, they said Churchill cleaner colleague. And I thought to myself, hmm. but I don't really want to take on outsourcing anymore because it's really draining. At the end of it, I felt uh, I had mental health breakdown uh, because you're getting racism in collusion with unions. So, yeah, it's uh, so not in other place. London so not only, not so, only do you face uh, discrimination uh, from the workplace where they look down on your job, and let's face it, without your job, the the place, the organisation wouldn't be able to open of a day, would it? Research contracts. Oh, I should have introduced myself. I'm a so, research. I'm a research contracts um, and enterprise, no, research and enterprise contracts manager. So I don't yes. know. They probably might open for a while, but we need the contracts in place. Whatever, whatever your job is, is irrelevant because you're part of a team, aren't you? And yeah. without that team, without you as a part of that team, the institution wouldn't be able to operate without naming any particular institution. So not only do you face that discrimination, but you, you face the discrimination of your union as well. I witnessed the discrimination uh, against you uh, the other day when I know that uh, you have been on this on their platform before and you have been quite vocal in calling them out for their for their Islamophobia or racism or whatever it is, and they didn't like. I I, I, don't, I quite understand that they didn't really want to give you the platform to be able to say that again. But all they had to do really was just say to you, Aisha, would you like to speak first and tell us about your concerns and listen to your concerns and act on them. That's all they had to do. And it's so simple, yet they they pushed you away and ignored you completely until you had to go to the to the lengths of changing your name on the Zoom meeting. So you were left in the waiting room. And once you've changed your name to a, a white sounding name, Sarah, 
they said they let you in. But you made the mistake of when you got in saying, ha I'm Aisha. So they all went, well, we're not going to let you speak then, are we? <laughs> and you were allowed to speak right at the very end of the show, by which time you were in tears, absolutely in tears. And it was disgraceful to watch. And those people on that on that meeting, I won't name them, but they they can't they possibly can't understand how it looked to first time viewers like me how it looked for them to be treating you so abominably so your group it's got about 100 people in it at the moment and it's called interunion for equality it's going to be now and um so have we got jim with us could you put jim in please gaz Hello, Jim. Hello. Hello. Hi, yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, please? So, so I mean, what I want to do is go back a bit further back in the history. I mean, I've been a union member for 35 years. Um, as you can see, I'm a white, privileged male, older man. So um, I know the value of collective for workers and for people who are like me. And um, so I've been a member of the union. I've also been working in um, countries in sub-Saharan Africa, and I've been you know, doing some development, some teaching, some research, uh, capacity building um, in several different countries. But I've never really questioned my lived experience and the experience that other people have had in, um, in their lives. And so um, that awareness of my privilege um, didn't bring about an awareness of other people's situation. Um, and I didn't realize that um, other people didn't have a voice. They didn't have that ability to tell us everything about their lives in the same way as I could get onto a forum and just um, uh, tell, tell people about my, my, my experience, my lived experience. And other people didn't have that experience of Western culture, of um, the kind of things that I'd grown up with. And, uh, and so therefore, up until a few years ago, I was really unaware of the lives that people were living, the lives of people who were living with discrimination, who were living with racism, who were unable to um, uh, get their voices heard by other people. And so um, about a couple of years ago, well, I suppose this came to a head with, as Aisha said, the BLM, the Black Lives Matter um, um, movement, which really hit me. And I said, well, um, you know, the, the voices I was hearing were totally unlike any other voices that um, we had. And I think there's a case here that we need to look, we need to listen to, and we need to learn from the voices. Have you covered up your microphone, Jim? Sorry to interrupt. Sorry, yes, sorry, I yes. covered it up. I covered it up. Sorry, can you hear me now? That's yes. right, yes, so, yes. You, you, you're welcome to use your notes. Um, ju you just don't, don't cover up your microphone. microphone. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. It's good advice. Good advice. Um, yes, so um, there's really a, a need for us to listen to people with other lived experiences, and that's what I really learned from that. Um, and not only to listen, but also to reflect and to learn from those experiences so that we can uh, we can understand where they're coming from and give them the help that they needed. And so this group really started because we wanted to listen to other people, um, uh, other people's voices. And um, Aisha was the one who had a voice and she was saying things which were not very... Um, easy for um, old white people like myself and uh, other people in the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine to, um, to relate to. And the danger was that her message was going to be rejected because the message didn't fall, didn't, didn't come in the packages that we expected them to, came in some other way, it came in the way that she was wanting to talk about. Um, and I think it's very important there to say, well, the messenger is um, going to say what they want to say in their own words, 
and we have to decipher that. We shouldn't expect them to um, uh, come into the, the room with that, fully formed as a Western um, uh, person with the culture and the experience that we have. And so that's where we were coming from in forming the um, uh, Inter-Union for um, Equality uh, group. Um, and I think that that is the kind of thing that is needed in many other places for people within one group or one union to listen to what's happening with people in other unions and other groups. So um, that's what I wanted to say. That's what I want to say in my experience. And then later on, I can talk about what we're going to do, what we think we can do with this group. Fantastic. Well, so you saw the way that Aisha was treated um, by yourselves. Uh, it's very difficult to hear someone calling you out, calling you out uh, for, for your racism. And whether it's, it's you, whether you realize that or not, we, we all have inherent bias and racism that is drummed into us in Western countries from birth, isn't it? We're, we're all, we've all been taught that we are the empire, that we are better than other people, that we know better. And so we must talk for people. So Aisha, I don't want to talk for you. So what was your next move? What was the next point that you wanted to get over? I'm trying to uh, trying to see if Brother Akish but we'll, we'll send him a link in a bit. Um, um, my next point was, so I talked about union, well, discrimination, we'll say. Um, and it, the worst part of it was collusion with management. Um, what happened to me was the first union that got rid of me was that that um, chief operating officer complained about me. Let's take it as an accolade. But, the, but when they got rid of me, the union, they said they're going to send me to disciplinary. I was in tears. And I've been reflecting, why did I? Why did being a rep mean, mean so much to me? And I think the nature of the kind of work I do is, is like you're just processing work and you're set at your desk all day long. You know, there's not much intellectual uh, fulfillment. And whether I deserve it or not is a different question. Maybe I should have worked harder at school or something. But union is a way that enables you to do that. And, and that's why I enjoyed it. So when the union threatened me and tried to get rid of me, I was on the phone for a week and I was crying and people would be like, so you're losing your job. I was like, no, no my job's fine because they couldn't get to my line management. They had really good integrity, um, but that's what happened to me. And, um, and now, you know, the group that you described who um, treated me awfully and actually a Jewish ally had come to my rescue because she said can we let Aisha speak and and that's why I broke up in tears I had to ask for her help and and today reflecting you know I'm here God willing because I'm being supported by Jim if I didn't have Jim's support I wouldn't have been able to set up this group I'm kind of dependent you know and in the morning you and Jim kind of trained us um you know because we're a bit nervous me and brother Akish um, because, you know, if we were maybe black academics, then maybe we'd be a bit confident, but the nature of our jobs, we just not had this wonderful opportunity. Um, it, it is a bit sad at this time. However, my sister Marvina is glowing on the screen. So, yeah, it is an exciting time. We do have amazing black um, royalties in, the, in our spaces that are empowering us because Marvina has spent several hours giving us some media training. <laughs> and yeah, I guess that's the point I want to get across. Things are pretty rubbish that we are dependent. And I and I was brought to tears because as a strong Muslim woman, um, it, I, I was I was desperately in need of that wonderful Jewish non-binary ally, Dr. Marian Hirsch, to kind of say, "Can you let Aisha speak?" And they were even trying to speak over her. And that's where it comes. They'll come for you. They'll come for communists. They'll come for Jewish people. They'll come for everybody. See, yeah. God, you're stepping now several lines. You don't do that to her. <laughs> you know what I mean? A legend. So, yeah. Well, talking of Marvina, the legend, as you call her, here's Marvina. She's, uh, well, she was going to be our co-host. And she is. Now she's here. She can be our co-host. And so we would like to know why 
you got involved? What drew you to Aisha's group, please? So one thing I want to paint for people is um, there's always a beginning of something greatness. And what you need to be able to do is be able to hear about people's stories and hear about why the, the why behind their movements and see if you choose to support and nurture and build who they are. And people are not... We, for a lot of us activists or people in the community who are trying to do our best, to be an activist is just an activated human being. And that's why Aisha is. She's just an activated human being. She's still, we all have our flaws. We all are learning. I learned about her from River. River was one of my, she's one of my mentees and one of my work colleagues that I've worked with over the years on um, a lot of campaigns and a lot of things over the years. And um, she said, I went into this meeting and they were talking about X, Y, and Z. And I just said, they need you. And um, I'm just gonna add you to the group. <laughs> and that was it. Um, and she added me to the group. I made sure I had a conversation with Aisha, um, just understanding what she wanted to achieve. And what you need to understand with movements is that it evolves. You don't need to have a perfect idea in the beginning. You don't need to know what the end looks inside. What she wanted was to definitely tackle the inequalities that is faced in the union that also creates biases for marginalized and disadvantaged community. She was really keen about giving a voice and influence by bringing people, and maybe the methods of recruiting is, is different for different people. For us, there is something called racial trauma, and I want people to get used to that. What Aisha is talking about, and I don't want us to mull over it, is racial trauma. She has gone through, and a lot of us in our communities know what that feels like to be silenced, to be ignored, to not be seen, to not be heard, for your influence to not have any power. And then you go to your union thinking, that's the place that someone will fight for me because we're all here as comrades. And then you face the same system outside the union that made you come into the union to get help. And this is the kind of things that we need to be able to be aware of and be able to say as an ally, and I use this word allyship, it's about you acknowledging there's a problem. And when you acknowledge it, you then need to act. And then when you act on that inequality, like what Jim's done, you then advocate for the change. And that's what you're doing, Liz. And when you advocate, then you listen and you're creating a platform for us to listen and hear what the problem looks like for people of marginalized backgrounds or minority or ethnic groups. And then you proceed to learning and unlearning your own unconscious biases your own barriers that stops you from getting to that point. And the last bit is the part that everybody fails, is yielding. Yielding your privilege and turning it into power. That means allowing me to come and co-host with you today. That means you looking at the way that there might be questions missed out in the space that I can try and drag out. And sending some massive love to all those in, um, in the amazing Resistance TV, Resist TV is just doing so much for the left for us to keep all this information going. But I want us to look at how do we support startup movements, startups union. I would love for a union that really reflects the everyday people. I love unions that actually give the voice to the marginalized and disadvantaged communities. And I don't like even using the word marginalized and disadvantaged, but we are. I'm calling it as it is, we are disadvantaged because we are in a system that is biased against us, not by our doing, but by the system itself. And I think the last bit that I would like to really draw into this is that you can't be silent when you see bad things happen to a work colleague whose voice has been um, removed. Um, you cannot expect people to speak the way you speak. You cannot expect people to come with the etiquette you have. I want you to decolonize your mindset. I want you to decolonize the way you think about things because we've been colonized so much that even our economy needs to be decolonized. Even our spaces needs to be decolonized. Yeah. And that's the way you become an ally in my mind. So it'd be great to kind of just, and I say Uncle Jim, and that's a cultural thing. And I say Auntie Liz, that's a cultural thing. And other people don't need to get it, but that's how it works for me out of respect. And that's my big sis, Aisha, because we become a family. Camaraderie means I am an ally nine to five. But family means that I'm in this fight with you. I'm an accomplice to whatever the cause is. I don't clock out when it's uncomfortable. I stay, I mentor, I support. And I also check my sister when she goes wrong because that's about being transparent 
in the way you support, lead, and being a servant leader is the way we go forward. Thank you very much, Marvina. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So at this point, I'd like to. Uh, we were going to be speaking to uh, to somebody else, and I'd like for Gaz if you could show Bunja's video, please, because um, this is just really poignant. Uh, the the reach that everybody has uh, it comes from Gambia. So yeah, I, I came to know. I saw, Before you play that video, uh, oh, you're playing it. I was going to say Jim had his hand up to say something. I don't know, Jim, have you, did you want to say something while I was speaking? Because I saw your, your fingers up. And I think he's frozen now. So oh, go to let, let's go with the video then, Gaz, and Jim can come back afterwards. Yeah, I, I came to okay. Aisha um, when she was at the branch secretary, IWGB, very supportive of unions very dynamic, very hardworking. You know, a lady who is so passionate about um, fighting against racism, you know, inequality. So it, it has been fantastic to know Aisha. I've been in training with her and I've been inspired by her efforts and her attitude towards uh, putting people together to fight injustice uh, and racism for, for, for that matter in workplaces. So it was a tremendous job the ISA has done. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very supportive of her ideas. I'm very supportive of her person to make sure everyone is treated equally. People are not treated differently. We are all human beings. And no racism, no nepotism. Everyone is treated equally at workplace. And I think ISA for that purpose has been very purposeful. And uh, I must admit that I've admired her efforts and I will always be willing to support her. My name is Bunya Kebe. I'm the chairman of the MRC Workers Union here in the Gambia. We have more than 1,200 members of staff. So it's been wonderful working with ISA, share experiences. And uh, Jim, Jim, Jim told as well. Jim has been our mentor and we say thank you to him for being also very supportive of ISA and myself. Thank you very much. Oh, well, and we've got a, just before we go on, we've got a message from Bunja in, in the chat, and he's up up a creek in Gambia, I believe. He's he's gone up country, so he hasn't got much signal where he is, so he couldn't take part in tonight's show. So he sent that video instead. There we go. Uh, hi, Isha. Hi, Jim. This is Bunja. Apologies, I am on Union Trek up country. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's good. What were you going to say, Jim? Uh, that's very so good. And I think um, uh, Bunja also says it very nicely. And unions are very, very good at looking after their own. They are, um, that's what they're there for. They look after their members. And so they are um, able to look after their members and they have that sort of clique, that, that power and privilege within their bubble. And I think that the whole point about what we're doing here is to say that we've got to get out of that bubble. We've got to cross the boundaries from the unions and say unions are good, but we need to be able to talk to other people who've got other points of view, we need to talk to other people who haven't got a voice within the union, haven't got a voice within society, and make sure that they too get the opportunity to start that, um, that, 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 that exchange. And I think also Marvina said something about the mentoring factor there. And I think that we need to get out of our, our, our bubble, of our comfort zone, and mentor people from other walks of life, from other uh, disciplines, from other um, religions, from other faiths, from other um, areas, just because that way we can pass on our ideas and skills and how to present our messages and things like that. But we can also learn so much from their mentees about their lived experience, about their experience with racism. And that isn't going to make us better at the same time as we help other people to achieve their goals in society. So I think that's a, an important point to get out of your bubble and start mentoring people in other walks of life. Thank you, Jim. And Aisha, I know that you want to... Oh, your audio's just gone, darling. I can hear you now, so go a little bit louder. Speak up, oh. Aisha. 
Oh, you want me to speak with who? Yeah, um, you, you know my brother, about, if you can, yeah. You were going to say about Bunja's um, experience in Gambia, about his union rescuing yes. one of his members. Yes. So, um, if, if, you know, I don't know if Brother Bunja is here or not. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to my brother. And Brother Bunja, of course, gave some fantastic praise to Prof Jim, I mean, he really deserves it. And um, he has invested, as you saw, so much. He's helped us with script for this. He's done so much and so much. And it was fantastic brother Bunja to also call Jim a mentor as well. That was really good. Yes, yeah, so my brother made the video and he, and he decided to give me all that time. And I was hoping he would cover a key topic. So one of the, you know, why our group is so important is we're giving platform. And when you give platform, when you're able to listen to other people, that's when you get invaluable information. And neither me nor Jim knew the impact. So Jim understands the issues much better. But the impact of what London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine does with MRC, Medical Research Council, i.e. UKRI, is the funding that they give is ends up in a discriminatory way of being used. And I don't think there's any other way. What happens is some employees are paid the local rate and some more skilled people are paid the UK rate. And the local field workers who do the global health research turns out the pay is so bad, people end up in jail because of their mispayment. And this is where, mashallah, my brother's union, they have a 79p union fund. And that fund, then he takes, Brother Bunja takes, and rescues people from jail, collects people's parents, and pay the rent. Also, global health leader on SAGE panel, as we speak, pays people so little that, yes, the employee can get decent medical, let's pay attention, decent medical health care, but not their family. So the family is also paid by this humble fund. Also, one of the funniest thing, oh my God, Brother Bunja also said in the summer, the training that we went to, organizing training that Jim took us to, um, is that he said um, that, that he said, raindrops fall on them in their prayer room and he said it's okay it's okay we fixed it that's that's not and also he said, Can you get in london no we've got a server which makes a lot of um, noise um you're sometimes stepping over the brothers to get out of the room because you have to go out i mean you're praying next to the shoes because the room is so tiny in the brother's side and says we well, can only fit three people about I mean, it's pretty crap. And when I went, sorry about that. And when I went there, there wasn't even a curtain there. And I thought to myself, I'm not pay, praying there. Um, and I went off to SOAS because I'd been a temp, you know, being fired left, right, center, not from SOAS though. Um, and I knew how to get into the building. And I and I, and I thought, no, I'm not praying there. And eventually, they were, they were quite nice. Eventually a curtain came, a very nice curtain. But can I ask a question about this? This is what I want to pull out of this part of it. Interunion has created a safe space for marginalized community minority groups to be able to come and air out grievances and then get other people to understand. It's almost like a space, a safe space for you to come into. And it's still being formed. So let me make this clear. It's still in its infant stage, hence why it's called an introduction, right? And this is a call to say, if you've got the expertise of what it takes to form a group, if you've got the expertise of what it takes to create a union, if you've got the expertise of how to mobilize and support those who are in the grassroots, if you've got the expertise of connecting the union to the communities, because that's a big fail we have in, in a lot of our unions. Our unions just cares about what happens to their members. Their members are part of the community. The community best of far if they know what's happening to their workers, will come back and be able to stand with in solidarity. And this is where the survivor solidarity is important. So what you're talking about, Brother Bunja, there is really iconic of how he's seeing the ripple effect of putting communities into the space, into that conversation. So now inter-union has this way of, I'm an activist, I'm not in a union. I'm in a community. Yeah. Um, I'm just working and doing what I'm doing for better future for my children and a better future for any, I fight any inequality, but I'm in a space with people who are in the union. I'm in a space with those 
who are working for for other causes and I can share my skills on organizing or mobilizing, but also be able to challenge. So when we had the Black Lives Matter uprising, how many unions did you see support it? I'll wait, you, could, you, you probably hear crickets far, like potentially. We reached out to so many unions. Everybody wanted to issue a statement. I wanna see you're investing in black people's kite mark, I'm waiting. I want to see your succession plans or breaking the barriers. I'm still waiting. Now let's take that to Islamophobia. Then when you think about the intersectionality of what the oppressions might feel for our communities, um, someone would say, well, that's not my problem. Okay, it's not your problem today. It will be your problem tomorrow. Exactly. And we need to make sure that we all step into this space of not leaving anyone behind. It's like a radical self-love. And... People know me for saying kill them with love. But what Brother Bunja is going through in Africa in its own trade union is similar to what, uh, what Brother Akish is going through in his own union. It doesn't matter where we are, what, but the melanin in our skin, the hue of our background, the fact that we are seen as migrants when we are black, but experts when we are white, when we migrate, that shows you there's a problem in this communication. So decolonizing your mindset in the in unions is the way we need to move forward. So for the unions that would have heard and felt that this was a personal attack on you, I will say die to your ego right now. I will say, listen, this is not about Aisha. This is not about Marvina. This is not about Professor Jim. This is not even about Liz. This is about you being a better human being. Yep. This is you choosing to do the right thing of what the unions were created for. This is a way yep. now to take those conversations into the community and bridge those gaps. Or else, who are you really fighting for? Whose lives actually matter to you? Yep. Are they your friends or your clique or those that look like you? Or would you ever sit in a place of knowing as an ally you are going to get it wrong? Being an ally and a mentor, you will always get it wrong. But you're choosing to be uncomfortable in the process of creating a legacy of change. And I don't know what parts... Yep you want to stand when it comes to workers' rights. Because we are all here for a better future. If we can have an equitable access to the unions, if the unions can turn up for the community, I promise you the community will turn up for the unions. I just had to add that bit there because a lot of people will say, Brother Bunja is in wherever he is, um, Jim is in wherever he is, like Aisha is in that, I can't really take in all this problem. But I think you should. Because I care about what's happening to the, te the teachers and the lecturers and the uni staff and the college staff, because that's where my children are going to go to. So if they're being mistreated now, that's going to affect me in the long term. So we in the community care about you. We want to support you. Is the doors open yep. for us to help you? And do you even care about us when we're in pain? That's the question I want to say to those who are listening to this. And yeah. I, I think and Uncle Jim, uh, I think um, it would be great for you to kind of just like give some insights from your point of being in the union um, and what change that could look like. Yeah. So that same question came up to me by someone today who said they didn't want to join a, a union because the unions were not were looking after their people, but they weren't looking after their children who are in university. Their um, uh, their, their spouse, their other people in their community. And so they said they're not, they didn't want to join a union for that very reason that the unions had their power base and their, um, their privileged um, class there. Um, if you go back to the beginnings of unions, they set up as a commune in order to be able to um, look after the interests of everybody in the community. And now unions have become more like corporate entities, the CEOs of trade unions are looking at, uh, are receiving salaries, fantastic salaries, are becoming um, uh, celebrities in their own right. They're hobnobbing with politicians. So that, to me, is not right. What we should be saying is that we have experiences, we have skills, we have um, expertise that we can share. Let's live like a commune. Let's share our expertise. I tell you, I don't think, I could never have done this particular um, uh, 
this particular presentation. That's way beyond my skill sets. I can do a little bit, but I needed Aisha. I needed Akish. I needed Marvina. I needed Bunja to be able to make sense of all of this and to bring it together. Without them, I am nothing. I think um, we've got our brother Akish in, in the room and we want to say thank you so much. Um, and um, one of the things I love about brother Akish is his passion around making sure the voice and influence of the workers he re represents are always put through. Brother Akish, I think the floor is yours to be able to give us an insight into some of the loves and hates and creates that you're creating in your unions. So what do you, what are some of the challenges that you are going through and what inter-union um, inter space has given you in that process? Yeah, hi, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Mavina. I'm really excited to see you there. Um, and many thanks to Lisa, to our coordination. I'm really so grateful to see um, you as well. And thank you very much, uh, Prof. Jim and Sister Asha. Um, really exciting to see all of you there. Yeah, really, it was a great day today, and I'm really delighted to be here. Um, uh, when um, we talk about the union, as uh, Jim actually um, um, uh, defined it very well, and he started it for the community and to help people. And then, um, and then, in my uh, definitions, I find out that the union it was um, it was established a long time ago, almost 19th century, where obviously there was a particular a group who were here inhabited this land, and then uh, migrants come in, people like me, different culture, different colors, they come in and become a part of society. And then a union in this case is starting from there. Now, when I come back to where um, um, where 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 I come from to the UK, so I'm being employed in somewhere that's by through agencies. And in my place where I come from, there's no agencies. Obviously, you if you want to go to the job, you go to the uh, workplace. You're gonna ask straight away direction. You don't need to go to, through agencies. So now in UK, I've just been employed by agencies. And in that time, agencies was hostile. What I'm saying the hostile is mean that you be just work like a machine. They will give you, they don't give you time. They don't give you, um, um, what you call it, say like holiday paid. And when you ask them, you say, no, your holiday is including your salary. And this is obviously it was a, a long time, almost 15 years ago, you know? So, um, I came um, across the King College where they put me at the workplace. And then, um, and I actually, I saw uh, deeply, um, what they call it, hostile of work environment there. It's it completely, you can see uh, people are divided according um, uh, according the, the way they look, the way they talk, and, and some people who was particularly employed were different sections of a department. For example, the uh, people who are less educated, employed in security and, and, and what do you call it, and cleaning. And then the, those who are, have a privilege was obviously can say a white color, for example, they've been employed, not all of them, because we have a minority of them being employed because of education they have. They've been employed like offices, um, somewhere which is a, a very um, good position. And then they will look at you down, you know, they'll look at you like you're nothing. You're just here at the number. Yeah. Although they don't know a background, for example, some of them have a degree, UK degrees, you know, but because of discrimination, discrimination and 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 gender equality and the way they look at uh, and uh, perceptions, stereotypes, then they will not go in to the, to the, what I call it, to the, to the, to the, to, to in their environment. They've been isolated. 
So what I what I found there when I was working at King College, I just get detail. I was find out there's there's a complaint of uh, harassment of discrimination from those uh, law workers, cleaning and security. You know, so um and um when you complain, and no one, no one whatsoever, who just can take your um what I call it your complaint. Why? Because um you're not a part of union, and and then you are. Agency worker, you are not a permanent, you know. So, if you took those kind of issues, you take it to them, your agency, uh, agency say, okay, fair enough. If you are not uh, happy in that way you're working, come back to our place. We're going to deploy you somewhere else, you know. And this is what happened. Yeah. So, agencies worker, they were treating differently, you know, they were treating differently. And, and what I mean by differently, for example, um, you work if you come to work. If you don't come to work, you don't get paid, for example. So in the King College, that's the time before we came in the house. If you're sick, you'll not get paid. And a permanent person who is working in King College, you get paid when he's sick. So you, you like zero hours. So it means that you work, you get paid. If you're sick, you don't get paid. And this is um, it's annoying me. How come these people treating like this? And we're working the same job we're doing like them and they're treated us differently you know then um and then we treated as a second class staff we are not actually a, a staff but what they don't know that we people who are working in security and cleaners they are front line and their image of the college they're working their heart without them um their staff will be vulnerable you know where they are you know and I and I think what you just said there is something that I want people to just take and remember. This is another thing when we talked about zero hours contract. Can you remember when all of us were like protesting about that? Yeah. When we were protesting, it seemed like we we're protesting about certain kind of zero hour contracts. We didn't expect zero hour contract to look like my brother here. We didn't really care. And I don't think people were protesting for people like him or for, mm. for my Polish sisters or my, or my other migrant brothers and sisters. And another mm. thing he's talked about is the second class citizen. I do not understand why anyone thinks in their right mind that they can look down at anyone. Let me say this. I used to be a cleaner. I used to be a cleaner. Hear that? I used to be a chambermaid. And that I find as one of the hardest, but also I enjoyed that job. And I know that it's a skill that means if ever I need to, I can go back to. And when securities who protect the colleges and the schools and the environment, like your life depends on them. When we're clapping for NHS, I celebrate all our NHS workers, but I also celebrate our frontline workers who like the cleaners, if they didn't clean and disinfect the spaces, you will not be able to have a safe space to be. The security who had to go to work and never had the options of working from home. And again, imagine that, not even having the option. So this is why it's so important for interunion. And I think, Brother Akisha, it might be great for you to highlight the actual issues you faced through now that you are now, I, I don't know, your, your, your colleagues are facing and what your union is doing and what you're getting from the space. You've got like two, three minutes, two minutes to kind of like summarize it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So uh, what happened is um, when I saw this thing is so distressful, and I start with some of my colleagues, we start recruiting the cleaners and security to come to the union. And, and then after the, we got numbers of union, uh, numbers of members, we, are, we, we complain about um, coming in house or complaining about the coming in house. When we come in the house, um, we thought that everything is done. Yes, fair enough, we got a secure job. Everyone got a secure job and everyone is happy, but there's so, so many things not been done. First of all, we asked them about um, um, uh, uh, what I call it the 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 uh, development career development. So we want them to be um, to be treated to lifted up to go a ladder. For some of them who have a degree, they already uh, might be they have um, English as a second language. They should they should get training. To, to get a ladder, to get the offices, or they can get a job, even a better job before I work in the office. I'm not saying that, but they can be better if they're doing the process of training. This thing I haven't done yet. And we have some cleaners who speak in Spanish only, and then um, they should be like, opening um, uh, English uh, classes 
it, it could be a compulsory because obviously their job is is vulnerable because even some if they are cleaning and they don't they can't read the level of the chemical they're using see now can college can be a vulnerable for suing them if something happened to them so those people they should say okay if you can't read and write so let her do this for your own safe uh, safety and for the king what it called security also you know and this is it's not going to be done now i'm fine out that they employ people who speak spanish yeah than just telling those guys to go and learn english they're employing them to brother spanish speakers to help those people yeah to if they have issues then then being um what i call doing um uh, employing English uh, language, uh, what called, no, compass, compulsory, get them to learn English language. Therefore, they will have a little bit helping themselves. Now, what I want to say here, here now, we want those who came in the house, uh, all of them, and be treated equally, um, let them train them, let them get um, a good, uh, good, good, good place in a, in a workplace. We don't want them, their children tomorrow, to work like a cleaner our security. We want them, their children, to be better off than their father, not fall on the path of their uh, parent. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Liz, I, I want to come to you now to if, oh, we can't hear you properly, Liz. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we'll go to I, Jim then. Okay. I just want to, uh, sorry, Aisha wants to say something in a minute. I'm just going to say that we have really three points where everybody can play their part in, in, in this. One is show respect for every single person, whether they're working in the same job or whether they're in a different job. Second thing is identify racism and root it out, name it and shame it, and make sure that that is identified within your workplace, within your union, within your community. And the third piece is we can share our experiences with everybody. We can mentor people of different types, different experiences, different life, lifestyles, and that is going to share not only our knowledge with them, but their knowledge with us. And those are the three points which we think are really important, which we're basing it but I know so Aisha sister, wants to say something. Yeah, so Sister Aisha, one of the things I would say, so what is Inter-Union planning to do around the future of the next step? So hearing the issues that Brother Bob, Bob, brother Akish, uh, you've done so much work and I really want to employ, applaud what you're doing. So how is Inter-Union planning to create the solutions that is quite an innovative strategy of the way it's going to work forward and what do you need from people? Yeah, so I think I want to talk about something, you know, it, it, uh, the opportunity. Mel Mullings, fantastic, fantastic BLM sister, RMT union. And as we saw in our group, they are probably, the, they are the strongest union in the country, I think, and their black members are well strong. But we only saw a couple of them outside Unity House complaining about, I believe, Edward Dempsey or something about black faces scandal. And that's just not on. And that this is where we come in. Despite having 100, though, we only can think of a couple of us. So if today somebody's watching and somebody watching later, please come forward. If you have suffered union discrimination and you feel strong enough to speak about it, because me, Brother Akish, Sister Mel, and we, I'm trying to also contact another sister who suffered picket line racism. And I like the word picket line racism. You're out in the cold. You went out there in the cold, said no to the wages, and you're made to feel unwelcome. And that's what happened to one of our sisters. And the only people spoke out was Jim and me in that group. And she's to this day reminds us how she's upset. Nobody spoke up in that organization. And ironically, their banner, a weird banner, has a Greek mythological thingy in LSHTM. And at the bottom, it says equality and health. Where's the equality? Where is the equality and what is Greek mythology got to do with global health? I don't want to be seeing these uncovered Greek figures. And actually, the woman, the sister is actually behind the man. So, you know, what I mean, check your standards, people. And so the point is, we're going to get us together and we're going to do a Zoom recording because it's not going to be TUC who's going to help us. And it's not going to be black members, no matter how strong Brother Glenroy, what a legend, Sister Ebony, Sister Mela, African Congress, they inspire me. Is We're going to have to be several of us 
who are securing our job, who are not afraid. And I'm currently not actually securing my job, but hey, I don't care. I'm going to go for this. And, and if we can record a Zoom recording and if we can circulate it, I think that's the only way. You know what? We have, post, I don't know how long trade unions been around, right? Jim can tell us, let's say 200. Once in a 200 or 150 year opportunity to sort the trade union. Trade unions are needed today for one thing only. And actually, post-BLM, you know what you said, Marvina? You said, if we don't sort this out, unions won't need us. They are failing today because they did not reach out to BLM group. BLM group had a couple of meetings with them. Hey, we're big and we're strong. They didn't reach out. And that's why we are seeing the, let's just call it out, UCU. The strikes have gone badly wrong. And when I turn up on that Wednesday, why they hate me so much is because I tell them, look, equality needed to be at the center. And what we managed to do is we managed to uplift one of the equality officers from you know, a prestigious rock art place. I think you've got another name. And she said it. We need to have the equality at the center. And she did it in a subtle way. I'm sorry, subtlety for some people ain't working. And also, if you're constantly playing by a systems rule, you got to speak indirectly. You got to do this. You got to do that. If we're playing by other people's rule game, how are we going to win the game? So I agree. We do have to play the system but also what I like about our group is the radical is saying let's do something completely different and so sometimes you know I say look I'm an awful leader I get everything wrong and today I want to say something that goes against all sensibilities is I'm in front of you a person who is a complete numpty and I'm asking you come with me as an umpty because if the country is being led by a liar there's surely a better alternative not to run the country, but to say, I can be honest in front of you and I'm now going to do something really good. Lizzie, tell me how I recruited you. Tell it. Yeah, I can't hear you. Got to be louder. Okay. Oh, Paul, Paul Lizzie. Um, do you know what? Do you know what's great about the process of Lizzie being in the screen and not able to speak? I actually want to use it as a symbolic thing. That's how people feel in our community. That's how we feel when we, we've got something to say and we want to lead and we want to do something, but our audios have been muted. Our voices have been stolen. And this is, while we're here, I really want to celebrate everybody that's come from Interunion. One of the things that we really want you to say is, how do we give voices back to our unions? How do we give voices back to our communities? How do we give voices back to our migrants? This is not saying that, we're not, give, we're not letting racism take a hold of our voices. It's saying that if we, the people united can never be defeated. Let me repeat that. The people united can never be defeated. And if we work together, if we support each other, if we find out how we can work in an empathic way to be able to create change, we should be able to make that difference. So now I'm gonna just, because I, I can think our time is far spent and we literally have um, literally two minutes to round up and I'm just going to um, bring um, a summary to stuff. I, I know, Aisha, you've got um, a question, something really quick, 30 seconds. Right. How I recruit is I go to trade union meetings and I tell them, Lizzie, just put your thumbs up. I say trade unions, I'm going to use the R word, is are racist because Lizzie used it right at the beginning. And guess what? Black and white people, they come because people want the truth. I go, I went Sunday, found lots of white people. They looked quite sad and miserable. And I found them and, and they came because they're dissatisfied with unions. Um, Paula Peters, discrimination against disabled people. So there's a lot of common grounds. Tell the truth, people come. Thank you, thank you. So because the time is far spent, if you want to tackle something around racism or and the Nationality and Borders Bill, let me let you know, on the 27th, February, I need you on the street. I need you in the front of the Home Office. Come, let's kill that bill because we don't have time for that. And also, we want you on the 28th in front of House of Parliament while they go back in. We let them know that the Police and Crime Sentencing Bill has no place for us. And we want you to come back, follow, share, resist TV. Thank you so much.